We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 469. Normally in this Thursday morning time slot, it's Scott and I talking about Yankees baseball. It's one of our normal episodes, but we're shaking things up 
this week. Uh, and uh, today's episode is going to be with Andy Martino. I talked to him for about 45 minutes on Wednesday um, about the Mets, but we also talked about just him covering baseball during a pandemic because he is somebody that goes to the stadium. He's somebody that is on those Zoom meetings. I thought it was just really interesting to hear his take on how things have been different for for his job. For some of these other preview episodes, we've talked to other podcasters like Scott and I, so they're kind of in the same boat as we are. Andy, though, covers the Yankees, excuse me, covers the Mets and a little bit of the Yankees for SNY for a living. So definitely stay tuned for his take on just everything that's going on in the world of baseball. It was a really, really fun episode. I think one of the better guests that we've had on uh, in the however many years we've been doing this show. Scott and I will be doing our normal episode. We're going to be recording it Thursday after the afternoon game against the Rays. Right now, as I'm sitting here, Garrett Cole just worked his way out of the sixth inning. It's a pitcher's duel against Glass now. The Yankees are losing, though. They just can't beat the Rays. Hopefully, when I talk to you next time with Scott in a few hours, this episode is going to come out Thursday sometime in the afternoon or at night. Hopefully, the Yankees have turned things around and we're able to take two out of three from the from the Rays. Before we get to the, the episode with Andy, though, I want to tell you about an exciting new sponsor, One CBD. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from One CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, Therabody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body calm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. And if you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. That's how you know this is going to be a good product if they can guarantee it with a full refund. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. All right, I'm happy to bring on the podcast Andy Martino of SNY. He covers the Mets and and the Yankees. I do appreciate how SNY has some Yankees coverage. I wish the Yes Network actually gave some more Mets coverage because it's nice to know what's going on across across the city. Andy, welcome. Well, thank you, and I thank you for appreciating our Yankees coverage. A lot of our when we started it, a lot of the Mets fans that were built into our following, obviously, were like, "What is this? Why are you <laughs> tweeting about Aaron Judge? You traitor!" It's like, look, we've got. And we cover the Knicks, too. And, you know, we, we've got an opportunity, I think, with so much passion for sports in the town to give more people uh, the coverage that they want. So why not? And I love covering the Yankees. I, obviously, you have the most iconic franchise, arguably, in sports. So right here locally, why wouldn't you want to cover both teams? I'm, I'm of the opinion I want to know what my closest rivals are doing. 
there you go. Keep your enemies close. So I wish the Yes Network gave a little bit more coverage to the Mets, the Red Sox, the Astros, and whoever else the Yankees might be facing in the playoffs that year. I don't need to watch the the 19th rerun of Center Stage. <laughs> but Michael does a good job on. Yeah, Center I'm Stage. just giving Michael. They just a hard air time. it. They just air it often. You're it's right. very. It's always on. That's right. Um, so you've been you've been covering through the pandemic, through the the restart. We were kind of chatting about it before we we press record. How has that been for you, I guess, on a personal and professional level? You know, it, when you when you ask it like that, and my honest answer is challenging. I, I found myself, uh, you know, trying, and we talked about this a little before, as you said, trying to acknowledge my own personal bias and that I financially need games to be happening because the industry is, I make my living in the industry and trying to check that at the door as best I can and cover this real health crisis responsibly. And honestly... I consider this to be the most important uh, thing I've covered in my time covering baseball and the tone that we strike. I feel real responsibility to not just cover the games, but to highlight the COVID uh, stories, report on them and stay on top of them where we can. I feel responsible to report on if players ever feel unsafe or uh, how's the testing going. And those things have quieted down a little because I think it's started to go pretty well. But at the beginning of so-called summer camp, when the test results were delayed. I was reporting a lot on that. So for me, it's been trying to hold two things at once, which is my love for the what's happening on the field, enthusiasm to watch it, and also, I think, obligation to report on a more serious issue and try to do both of those things at once. And sometimes they're sort of contradictory. And emotionally, I, I'll say quickly, it's not always easy. On opening day, I had that normal opening day feeling where I'm going to watch games from one to, to one, and be so excited and be so into this. And I was, I was so excited. And I was excited at the beginning. And then I'll be honest with you, I went to bed after watching all that baseball that day with kind of a haunted feeling. Like I'm watching cardboard people and listening to fake noise. And it's just like I wanted to really enjoy it. And I ended up like having this creepy dystopian uh, vibe set in. So it's it's a lot to process. Honestly, it can be it can get it can get heavy at times. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, I catch myself sometimes, you know, forgetting what's going on, forgetting that there's no one in the stands, forgetting that. Uh, and the Yankees don't do cardboard cutouts, thankfully, but uh, I, other, other like stadiums. Foolish. So you're it's, right. I'm glad the Yankees don't do that. But Fox has been doing the fake video game fans yeah. and Aaron Judge hits a 400 foot home run to the stands and they're just digital, just digital <laughs> statues out there in the bleachers. Yeah. It's so stupid. Yeah. But sometimes I, I forget, you know, Garrett Cole's on the mound tonight for the Yankees and I'm. I'm going to be excited about that because he's maybe the best pitcher in the world. Eh, maybe Jacob deGrom has that claim, but you know what I'm saying? Well, that's yeah. that's going to be exciting, but then yet yeah, hits you for one reason or another that this is not is not a normal season. I want the Yankees to win, but at the same time, it doesn't feel the same. And I, I you yeah. can't lie to yourself. I'm not going to lie. Some people are acting like it's the same, and if they feel the same, then more power to them, but... For for me, for a lot of fans, for for you guys covering it, you know, like you said, for your your job depends on it. Yeah, it's not it's not the same. Like it's okay to point out, and it's okay to to yeah. cover that aspect of it. It is well, and I'm glad. I appreciate you saying that. I have found that. I, I mean, this is a whole other discussion, probably whether sports following t- tends to trend a little, you know, more conservative politically than other uh, topics, maybe, but. I've found that every time I write about COVID, I get a significant amount of blowback on Twitter from like, why are you bringing this up? Why are you doomsayer? So there's, that's been, I, I hear a lot more of that from, from 
my audience than than what you're saying right now. I obviously you and I are on the same page, but getting a lot of that COVID denier kind of pushback too, which is is hard to well, <laughs> hard to fathom. I, I that's always like the bot like the 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 few are the loudest that sort of yeah. theory. So it's like most people are not denying COVID, and most people respected the the demonstrations that a lot of the teams did for black lives matter to start the season, but it's the few who are the loudest who are going to try and troll, who are going to try and make their point heard that, that always makes it seem like the minority is the majority when, when it's really not. Um, and, and, and I mean, so we're not, you know, I do a podcast. It's not my full-time job, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, we've gained a following and we, so we're, so it's a little bit different from you where, we can just we talk about what we want to talk about because at the end of the day we're fans who are talking about our favorite team. So I think it's probably a little bit different because we don't get that same sort of blowback. Like if my co-host and I Scott do a segment on COVID and why we think baseball has botched it, you know, we're gonna get people maybe who disagree with us, but they're not gonna sort of like you said, just why are you bringing this up, sort of thing. It's so it's I yeah, think it's because, different from a you're covering yeah. it professionally standpoint, and some people want to have blinders on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And I, and I, 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 you know, I'd like to say, I understand that, but I actually don't, I've never really gotten that. I think that sports <laughs> too is, rational sport, right. Sports is be, sports coverage has become belatedly politically aware in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, I find I've, I've been trying to personally felt that it was appropriate to use my spot on the sports page when I was at the daily news and beyond to, to write about societal issues because they are part of sports it's inextricable so i've never really had a lot of patience for people that want it to be a break from reality I f- it's just not so i think that's delusional and i and i'm not really that you know sympathetic to that position i think sports media has come around a lot in the past decade like post kaepernick but um there's still that audience that just wants sports to be a break from reality and and like i said it just it, well, i'm preaching to the choir here but it just isn't and covid has really brought that to the forefront, obviously, because it's just it's part of the daily. I can't believe we're even framing COVID as political, but that's, I guess, where we are. It's not our fault that it's, that's the, where we it's, are. But it's honestly it's infuriating. Prepping. It's infuriating. Yeah. But how long have you been covering baseball? Uh, I've been covering baseball. Well, I started covering baseball around 2008 uh, when I got out of journalism school and um, started with the Daily News backing up on some Mets and doing general sports, Jets, Giants, just sort of general in the sports section. Then I got a job covering the Phillies, covered the 2009 season for the Philly Inquirer, covered the Mets for a couple years after One that. One year too late there. What's that? One year too late there. One year too late, but they had a very compelling team. And let me tell you, Rollins and Utley and Worth and Hamels and all those guys, that was quite an era in Philly. But And I covered that series where the Yankees won. Um and uh, anyway, so I've covered baseball for most of the past decade, although I took a break to for a couple of years to write some pop culture and, and other kinds of things. Oh, cool. uh, but well, uh, you said you said COVID is the biggest thing that you've covered in your career. And I I didn't know when you started. Like, I would yeah. think the last biggest thing to happen in baseball was the the steroid scandal. Right. Yeah. Or, or maybe even you want to date it back to the 94, 95 strike is the last biggest thing. You know what? I would say I. I the biggest thing um, in ba- steroids in the Astros scandal have been the two biggest baseball stories in my time covering baseball. And I, I, when I came up with the Daily News, I was working at the same place as the I team there that broke a ton of steroid stories. Even though I was a little bit late period on steroids, I was I saw a lot of that sausage being made reporting on PEDs. Uh, 
what I, I, I think what I mean by COVID is it's the most important story I'll cover because I think I have a real responsibility to cover it responsibly because lives are at stake. Like when I, I'm covering guys who are playing and the st- and even more importantly, the guys on the staff that didn't have the financial option to opt out, I'm talking about bullpen catchers and trainers and things mm-hmm. like that. I, I have I have a responsibility to those people to cover this well and thoroughly and uh, with the scrutiny that it deserves because it's a life or death issue. I guess that's what I mean. I think you could argue steroids and electronic science dealing are bigger baseball issues. Right. But COVID is literally a life and death issue that I'm covering. And, and that's, I guess, what I mean. What a six-month run MLB had with the Astros sign-stealing stuff and then the the players and owners pissing match over over economics while they're trying to get back on the field. It was just par for the course, I guess, for the sport and how it seems to never do or say the right thing at the right time. That's my yeah. opinion as a fan. But uh, yeah, just just crazy. And, and when they did come back... Um, like you said, it's just sort of felt different and, and your cover, you know, you're, you're in, you talked about earlier, we were, we were DMing back and forth and you said, I got zoom meetings later with players and stuff. So how has that all been, um, as far as covering, you're still covering day to day, but you're not there in person. I don't know if you go to the stadium at all, but. You know, I don't much, I thought I would more, but, uh, because I cover the Mets and the Yankees, the small piece of convenience there is that like. I can talk to Jacob DeGrom and Garrett Cole today yeah. after the game and not have to choose one stadium or the other. So I've actually kind of been anchored here. And I do shows from here, too, for SNY. And, and we have a podcast we do from here. So I've actually been here on the different Zooms. And it's a short-term convenience in a backhanded way, but it wouldn't work long-term. It doesn't serve the fans. So you don't think it's going to be a long-term change in the industry? I'm afraid that we're going to lose access long-term. And I don't think that most fans, understandably, because they haven't seen it work, I don't think most fans understand what a loss that would be for them. Uh, we don't have, you know, there's a new CBA coming up. Uh, I, I don't, I'm under no illusions that players want us in the clubhouse. They don't, they, by and large, they don't. Some few outliers, but most of all, they don't. MLB's got bigger fish to fry than defending baseball writers as well. So I think uh, now that they've, gotten to live life without media in the clubhouse i'm afraid of future access i think we'll be in there to some extent post-covid but well like what's an example of something that is gained that you can only gain from being in the locker room with them uh right now i can't report anything i can't ever talk to a player without pr being present so you can imagine Ah. that changes coverage pr sets up the zooms and they call on you imagine that so there's anything anti-yankees or anti-mets anti-management um, I cannot pull a guy aside. I can walk into in a normal year. I can walk into the clubhouse. It's my job to build relationships. It's hard to, that's a beat writer job. I'm not a beat writer anymore, but it's still my job to build relationships with the manager, the coaches, the players, pull them aside and say like, Hey, what do you really think about this? Whatever it may be an issue, big or small. Uh, and now I can't, I cannot, everything is PR stamps. So think about how much the fans are losing. Yeah. Uh, with that, I'll give you an example of a situation that could play out that way in theory. Uh, and it's just a hypothetical. I'm not saying anything about this individual, but just to ground it in, in something concrete. Look at Jay Happ's contract situation right now. Uh, he's in a dispute with the team over his vesting option. He's in a dispute with the team uh, over how the uh, whether or not his incentives will be prorated, which is like $17 million at stake in his presence on the team next year. It's a big thing. 
And anytime Jay Hap's been asked about this, it's been with Yankees PR on the call. I would certainly not be doing my job. In a normal year, my job would be to find a way to get a get a get a question in there without Jason Zillow standing there. <laughs> He's just doing his job. Jay, yeah. Jason's doing. He shouldn't. He'd get fired if he walked out of the room and said, "Fire away on Jay Hap." You know? <laughs> I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying this is the problem. So many things. The manager. Here's another example. The manager post games are problematic for like a lot of real questions because those are not real conversations. Those are a performance for television. So you have to be careful about what you ask. It's 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 calculated. It's like if I want to know if, if if Boone did something in the fifth inning that didn't impact the game. It's like, hey, why did you not pinch hit for so and so there? Um, if you ask on the big in the big press conference, then that's like whole thing it's like oh this is going to be a headline this is going to be a thing so that's where you get him on his way out of the room you you trade on the fact that he knows you personally because you're there all the time and you go look i'm not trying to blow you up i wasn't going to ask this on tv but why did you do that and he'll go oh because so-and-so was not ready or so-and-so was hurt it's those little things those those personal interactions that bring the fans uh access and just the things you see look all so many things about the Astros situation came from me running into people at the park and seeing they were pissed off and asking them about it and then reporting it out from there. So just just a lot of information on this year that the public will never have. We don't even know what we're missing because it's it's not it's just like so many little interactions between media and baseball people that just aren't happening. That makes total sense, and I think you know for people listening, they can just imagine their their current day job, and if there are lucky enough to still be working and have a job it's remotely i'm working remotely and it's just different it's just different when you're never in the office with with your colleagues than it is when when you are so i mean i totally understand i could talk to you about just this for for an hour-long podcast i i contacted you to talk about the mets because the yankees and the mets are going to be playing yeah. uh two back-to-back weekend series right it's this weekend and next weekend yeah and uh, the mets are an interesting team because <laughs> I feel like for the past couple of years, they've been penciled as a uh, a possible playoff contender. And just for one reason or another, it never works out. And you're covering the team. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why that happened. But mm-hmm. what is your general sense on just why they have not been able to reach their potential? I it, it's There's a lot of specific reasons. Like last year, I think the biggest mistake that they made last year was not firing their manager Mickey Calloway in May when they had the chance. I, I'm almost always one to say like manager firing narratives are overblown and rarely make a difference. But this guy was so incompetent that it was like there's no way this team's gonna succeed with this guy making the moves that he's making and mismanaging the egos in the clubhouse. I think that was a big part of it. And when they got hot uh later in the year that was a problem. So there was a failure of upper management to recognize that they needed to act swiftly on, on that. So that was one thing. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, bigger picture, I'm trying to think through the years and give you specific answers to why. Well, I mean, a guy gets hurt like, like this year, Syndergaard has Tommy John surgery and Stroman yeah. opts out of the season. Like that's easy. Like you don't need to be an expert to understand the rotation is going to take a hit there. Yeah. But it just seems like from the top down, and I know the Will Ponds are possibly selling the team, and I've just, I have Mets fans, friends, and I follow, you know, different people on Twitter. They hate the Will Ponds, and I understand that. But like, it's just, 
I've never seen an organ like an, they have talent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like they should be a better team than they are, and they just aren't year after year. And it's just from an outsider's perspective, it's like why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> well, uh, they they have never been a complete team. Whether it was the Sandy Alderson era, and when I say never, let's take the last decade just yeah. to cut yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, of Sandy took over, and and now Brody Van Wagenen. Look, the the team that made the World Series in 2015 was really flawed. They got really hot. They made a good a trade for Cespedes that worked out, but that was the same team that was like left for dead in early late June, early July of that same year. So it's not like they were world beaters. Uh, the current team, I think, has a lot of talent, but it doesn't all fit right. It yeah. some of it got overhyped a little fast, and you have a lot of players who aren't complete players. Like, um, I was talking to somebody, a, a former player who's a big Met fan and watches all the games, and I was actually asking a similar question recently, and he was like, "Well, kind of going around the current team, it's like you don't have a lot of like you have Ahmed Rosario at shortstop who's talented, but uh, his instincts don't seem great." He has literally walked zero times this year, zero times as a starting shortstop. Um, his, he's athletic, but his footwork isn't good at shortstop. So it's like, oh, you got a guy who's like, you're good. But then you've got uh, Pete Alonzo, who is a terrific hitter, who's not just a slugger, who uses all fields. He's best when he's hitting the center field, a hard worker, but seems to be sort of crushed under the expectations a little bit of, of the pressure. You think that's why he's struggling yeah. a little bit I, this year? I do, and I've asked him about it, and he doesn't really shy away from it. He's like, yeah, everyone expects me to be great right now. So I think that's that's tough. I think. Well, I uh, found it interesting with Alonzo because he got a lot of Aaron Judge comparisons after his rookie year. I mean, rightfully so. He, hit, he broke the rookie home run record. Um, but just watching from afar, like – Aaron Judge has health issues. Like he he struggles to get on the field. But when he's on the field, there's no question in my mind he's a top five player in baseball. Yeah. I don't think that about Pete Alonso. That's not to say he sucks. He's obviously very good. But yeah. but the expectations should be different for Pete Alonso. Yeah, look, Judge is, as you said, Judge is a complete player. He's he's an elite, elite defender, great hitter. Uh when he's on the field, yeah, he's he's in the he's almost in that like He's not in the trout conversation, but he's almost in Nobody like is. the next tier. Yeah, right. Of course. So like yeah, it's my trout then it's, and then everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And he's in that top four or five everyone else judges. Alonso is again, he's a better hitter than people would might think. Um, because he's not Mark McGuire, like just setting the home run the rookie home run record. He's a smart hitter. He goes up there with a plan. Uh he would still be successful if if the power somehow wasn't there. Uh Generally, I think in his career, he's got a shot to have some sustenance, but he's an improved first baseman, but he's not a two-way player, obviously, like a judge. So, no, he's not in that conversation. But I think, look, I think you could argue, and you know what I just said about judges' talent. I think you could argue that both guys got hyped really fast yeah. in their careers. Like, the judges' chambers was there after he hit, what, two home runs? <laughs> he, they I mean, went on one 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 road trip. No, I'm, I'm not excited. They went on a long road well, trip in early May, and then, boom, the judges' chambers were there. So, I think that... Uh, I'm not smart enough to like make a cultural point about why guys become anointed as superstars like before anything really happens or so at the first whiff of something happening. I've had this conversation before. It's it's you need to have certain things happen. You need to come through the organization. You need to be mm-hmm. either acquired very young or mm-hmm. drafted or signed as an international free agent. So that's one. If you just get acquired like Giancarlo Stanton, you're never going to be treated the same way as Aaron Judge. It's just the unfortunate yeah, reality of it. So, yeah. 
you need to be you need to do something amazing immediately mm-hmm. because if if fans the first thing they see is you struggling well then that's what they're always going to remember you yeah. could do something amazing and then you could struggle and then people will still say well what about you he sure. could get back to that mm-hmm. and both judge and alonzo had those those things happen and i mm-hmm. and i think you need to be you need to be i mean likable that's difficult to say but you need to be good with the media you need to be good on social media or whatever it is um and and, and you need to have all those things or else mm-hmm. you're never going to be the quote face of the franchise yeah no i think i agree with all that and then they both are are affable public uh, personalities and and that helps um judge is a better player than alonzo as i said but they both have had a similar like with judge you you can zoom out and say what have you really accomplished in the game that you would personally have even set out to accomplish it's not even a knock on him it's like if you asked him his goals i bet you he's hit almost none of them at this point uh, goal number one for him should be stay off the il <laughs> oh yeah right, that, right i mean that should be goal number one and like this whole thing about oh he's saying he's a hundred percent whether you're literally 100%, 99%, or 80%, like you're not on the field, and that's the bottom line. So what yeah, are we talking yeah. about here? Yeah, no, I agree. And you could see his frustration. No one wants to be labeled that injury-prone player, and I would bet you that that conversation with the Yankees was like, guys, please don't put me on the IL. I'd like to have a year where that's mm-hmm. not the narrative, and now it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Yankees seems like they, seem like they did the responsible thing. It's a calf. These things are generally pretty serious and prone to setbacks. But anyway, to get back to your question on the Mets, I'm sort of going around the diamond to think why are they <laughs> less than the the sum? You know, why is the hole less than the parts in, in a yeah, way? Yeah, because you've got Jacob Degrom, who's on maybe the best pitching run since Clayton yeah. Kershaw in the early 2000s. He's he's right now. If I if I had one game to win, I'm picking Jacob Degrom. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of. I mean, do Mets fans think they're wasting this peak right now? Like they signed him to a great contract. I think so. I think I think there is anxiety in the fan base about wasting Degrom's prime, as, as there should be. They're, they're not uh, they're not on on track to be winning championships during his during his tenure here. They hired a G, the ownership hired a GM in Brody Van Wagen, and who part of his pitch was Degrom's in his prime. Let's go for it now. They interviewed Hein Bloom, who wanted to sort of pull back and what he's and, doing with the Red Sox yeah. now. That's why they yeah. are. 12 games under 500 yeah, right. now we could argue I, I with all these I, I i think heim bloom's a smart guy and i think he has a shot to succeed but but these arguments about tanking versus going for it in particular situations it's hard to judge them like in less in retrospect we'll see how it goes like i guess it worked out for the astros pre-scandal doesn't look like it's going to work out for the orioles uh or the phillies or you know maybe the philly you know what i'm saying like it, it's a very situational but anyway i think that the mets um, went into go for it mode, and they had some talent, and but they've just got a lot of guys who are they got a lot of guys playing out of position. They have a guy like Brandon Nimmo, who's a nice player. He walks and he gets some clutch hits, but not a great defensive center fielder. Uh, doesn't really bring a lot of power. Uh, JD Davis, who's a nice, fine, good hitter, is improved at third base, but he's still he does cost them runs on defense. Uh, it's just a lot of guys who are sort of have a have a problem, one problem in their game, and like you put that all together, and I guess you lose, you end up losing more games than you expected to. And then, of course, just the injuries to the rotation can't be overemphasized. Yeah. When they went on that run last year, they had some memorable hits late in games and comebacks, but the rotation ERA, I believe, was second best in in the league in in the second half 
uh, or don't quote me on that. Maybe that was just August and September. But anyway, the rotation went on a great run and the rotation is in shambles right now. So that was like a secret key to their success last year that we're not seeing duplicated as well. Yeah, it's usually you can't you can't bank on clutch ninth inning hits over time, but you can look right. at a trend of what the rotation is doing or what the bullpen is doing. Right. And you can say, okay, well, that's why they're winning. And yeah, it would seem when everyone is healthy, that rotation can win a lot of games because they've got a lot of great pitchers. So, so I get, I get that, that health aspect of it, but so these pieces not fitting together, who do you blame for that? Is that Brody who was an agent 18 months ago? Is that, is that the Wilpons who are just not identif- not putting the right people in their baseball operations teams in place? Look, I think that I don't believe I think that uh, GMs are overcredited and overblamed. Obviously, every roster other than the Yankees have had the same GM for decades. Yeah. <laughs> every been there. It's crazy. Cash has been there since he's 18. That is crazy, and it's a testament to his political savvy and skill, baseball skill, and all kinds tolerance of tolerance for the Steinbrenners. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was a big part of it. Yeah, um, especially the you know, it, may he rest in peace. The the bombastic one that he worked for for so long. Um, I think that with the Mets, they're an amalgamation of Sandy Alderson's team and Brody Van Wagenen's team, and even some of Omar. Omar Minaya drafted DeGrom and is responsible for some of the deeper roots when he was GM. Uh, so I think it's hard to assign credit or blame. Just like when they went to the World Series in 15, it was part Omar, part Alderson, and part you know luck uh, that, that deserved a lot of credit. I think uh, with any franchise, you're going to – with most franchises where there's turnover, you're going to find that. I think the Brody, I actually don't disagree with his approach. I appreciate in the era of tanking that he went in another direction. I, I like that. Uh, I yeah. really don't appreciate watching major league games ever where one team is not trying to win that year. I think that life is too precious to, to give up any, any moments. <laughs> Games are too long to begin yeah. with. I don't need to well, exactly. see the, the Yankees wipe the floor with the Orioles for the And you don't know if time. it's going to work out. I think that the Cubs and the Astros winning the World Series sent a really bad message to ownership groups that you can tank. Yeah. Uh, and they're so cynical. I think that the media overall, baseball media, finally got savvy to it. We're like, I think we romanticized uh, smart GMs for a long time. And now we're like, wait, this is a bait and switch. So the owner doesn't have to spend money for five years. And then you might win yeah. at, the, yeah. at the tail end of it. Um, so I appreciate that the Mets didn't go in that direction. And I think that that they simply haven't, Brody's regime, regime simply hasn't made enough good baseball moves yet. So you can like the approach, but not, but, but not praise the execution. And I think that's that's what we're looking at so far. I think he's built a he did build a better build a better bullpen from last year to this in a fairly quick turnaround and some under the radar signings like Jared Hughes and Brad Brock might actually turn out to come up big because if the team's gonna turn it around, they're gonna have to rely on a deep bullpen. And they had a terrible, terrible bullpen last year. So yeah, how's it been this year? Because I was gonna ask you about the bullpen. They add Dylan Batansis also yeah. as well. So they've got big arms and big names in the bullpen. How has it? And their stats look good, but I don't watch every. Met, I don't watch every Mets game though, so I don't know if the bullpen has actually been better. It has, and Jared is a guy they picked up the scrap heap during the summer camp, and he's been pretty good. Uh, Brock came back from the COVID IL. Uh, he he's okay. I mean, these aren't big names, but I think they're depth pieces that have supplemented. Like Batansis is is a name who doesn't 
pitch like the old Dylan Batanzas yet, unfortunately. He's a great guy. He's someone you root for. He's been okay. Edwin Diaz has been tremendous as long as he hasn't been in the ninth inning when it's been a disaster. Uh, Seth Lugo's been, been one of the best relievers in baseball for a couple of years. Uh, they have a bullpen. Their bullpen's going to have to save them because there's no help coming for f- the four spots in the rotation that are hurting. That's everyone uh, around baseball, though. I mean, like you look true. at the, the starters, I think there was this, I, I've said this stat before, but it's the lowest they've ever, fewest plate appearances that they've ever pitched in games per, on a percentage basis. So starters are going less and less. I think it's a partially per injury preventative mm-hmm. strategy by teams in a, in the shortened season. But it's just also the strategy across Major League Baseball. Unless you're Jacob deGrom or Garrett Cole, you're out of there in the fifth inning. You know, it's funny because I sensed being around the Yankees last October, I sensed that that worm might be turning a little on that. Uh, You might remember Zach Britton, who's been as successful in this new bullpenning model as anybody, said after the losing game six that, right, you need starting pitchers. And it wasn't just him. I remember talking to some Yankee front office people that were like, yeah, you know, as much as we have a good bullpen, we wouldn't mind just having simplifying it in some way and just having the the horses. Well, think about like, the teams that won the World Series the last exact. few years. So the exact. Nationals had three of the best starting pitchers in baseball last year. The Astros, who they faced, the Astros, had three of the best starting pitchers in baseball. Right. The Red Sox had Chris Sale and um, Price, who pitched right. really well. And then the Astros won before that. We know they had Justin Verlander and right. Keuchel when he was still good. So while I I see how bullpenning can get you to 90 plus wins because it it can like teams are doing it the Rays are doing it. Yeah. The Yankees have done it for 3 straight years. In October, I I think you're just you're just adding more variables up in the air and saying, "Well, we need Ottavino and Chad Green and Jack Britton and Aroldis Chapman to all pitch perfectly." <laughs> Tonight. need five guys to be on that day instead of one or two or three. And for the Yankees' case, Adovino sucked in the playoffs yeah. last year, and that cost him a couple games against the Astros. And Absolutely. then they had Chad Green starting an elimination game in the, in the ALCS. Like, that's just not ideal. Right, exactly. It got them there, but once they got there, then they even saw that it wasn't ideal, but it was who they were by then. There's no oh, you couldn't go back then. Yeah. Once you're there, um, you're there. You're not starting Jay Happ against the Astros in game exactly. six. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, I think that um, uh, you're and you're right. That is a bigger trend than I thought it would be this year. And maybe a lot of it has to do with health and the shortened season or the fact that just all these starters have been injured. I mean, look at the NL East. The Braves have literally lost five starting pitchers from who they expected. If you count Felix Hernandez. Uh, yeah. made the team, I think. You, you They've lost five starters. So right. there's bullpenning by necessity going on. But the Mets are actually built for that this year. It's a strength. Uh, and that's one thing that Brody, like the story of his first two years obviously hasn't totally been written yet. We don't know how this year is going to play out. And if if this year's a success, uh, he'll get a lot of praise for the way he rebuilt a bullpen on the fly um, over this past offseason. And Justin Wilson, who we signed the previous offseason is now healthy and effective, which is a big arm for them in the back end of their bullpen. So that is a, that is a strength of, of theirs. Uh, but to your broader question of why it hasn't worked, I, I guess I would say that their intent of competing is admirable, but thus far the the actual process of the moves that they made to accomplish that just haven't haven't been great. I mean, yeah. the Seattle trade is the famous one, getting Cano and Diaz and for their top prospect, Jared Kelnick. Jed Lowry's going to end his Mets career without having a hit for the team. 
uh, they're just examples of things that haven't haven't worked. The Stroman trade didn't work out. So there you go. Right. Yeah. And and people just say, oh, typical Mets. Like that. That seems to be the response. But after a certain after a certain number of things happening like that, you kind of have to agree with it in some instances. Um, I was also going to ask you about the offense because I don't know how into statistics you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I try not to go too heavy into it, but you just look at their their lineup and you see six out of the nine starters have an OPS plus over 120, which means their offense should be pretty good, but yeah. they're below league average and run scored. Mm-hmm. Like Those two things don't match up for me. They've had... Uh... The, their stats of runners in scoring position are, been, have been putrid, which generally tends to, as you surely know, sort of come and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a little bit fluky. Um, a real like kind of old school seam heady way to the people say it is like they have guys that hit, but they don't necessarily have guys that you'd want to trust to get the runner in from third with one out. Yeah, they like, don't do. They don't do the. Yeah. They don't do the. A lot of teams don't do this. I think the yeah. Yankees don't do this in a lot of cases they don't do the right situational thing yeah right exactly so that's been that that might answer that to, to some extent and but they do have a, uh, they're an offensively talented team who over the course of 162 game season to per the cliche probably would hit enough um but patterns can develop in shorter seasons that are you know weird and yeah, that's sure I think, no yeah. i mean runners in scoring position after 25 games 30 games yeah. is is difficult to look at and project yeah. so yeah but yeah, I mean, I guess that that makes that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, um, I mean, so I don't know. I mean, the Mets are capable. Degrom's not pitching this weekend, so in my mind, that's a huge win for the Yankees. Yeah. But also, Cole's not pitching because they're both supposed to pitch today. And well, when the Yankees don't have Cole pitching, they're kind of up in the air. Well, it's been a long time now, it seems, since the uh, X two exhibition games they played. But Montgomery and King did a pretty nice job uh, mm-hmm. in those two games controlling the Mets. And what I felt like we learned from those games was that the Yankees are just way ahead of the Mets. Like the Yankees, uh, non-star pitchers can handle the Mets batters and the Yankees hitters can absolutely maul Mets pitching. Uh, and, and the Yankees, just depth, not the Yankees depth might be their most impressive asset is their yeah. depth of their roster yeah. is, is legitimately 35 deep. It is, and and that, that's absolutely right. And it's almost become cliche to say like, "Oh, this guy's gonna Tyro Estrada. What's he gonna hit a home run tonight?" Yeah. And then it happens. And and it, they deserve all the credit in the world for that. The Mets built some depth. Have had a lot of injuries. Uh, I mean, their pitching depth has been decimated by injuries. Their positional depth, uh, it, it's it's better than it was a couple years ago. I mean, they have some positional controversies right now. They have a young shortstop, Andre Simenez, who really has been impressive. They're pushing a conversation about Ahmed Rosario and who's going to play shortstop every day. And that's a, that's a, somewhat of a credit to their, their organizational depth that they have. And they have Dom Smith and Pete Alonso, both of whom are major league first basemen. So there's some of those Yankee-type problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as many. The Yankees are pretty unique in the fact that Andahar, Frazier, and Ford are all like middle of the order major league hitters, <laughs> scram- you know, struggling for playing time. But right, right. No, yeah, it, it, it is crazy. So Jimenez is he? I know he was on their prospect boards a couple of years ago, but he seems to have a little bit he's, come into his own this year. Well, he has. Uh, he so he struggled and he's always been an elite defender. He struggled offensively in Double A last year. So the the. The hype, the talk about him really quieted down, obviously. Like, if he can't hit in double A, he's just a glove guy, and it is what it is. Then he won the batting title in the Arizona Fall League. 
And since he's been up, has been a, a perfectly competent hitter, a, like a dazzling shortstop, and a guy who's shown incredible baseball instincts. On our postgame show, Todd Zeal pointed out this little moment that I would never have caught uh, in a game maybe about a week ago where there's like a ball in left field and a couple that it, it gets away and Jimenez is playing short and uh, he and another player are chasing the ball. I can't remember the exact mechanics of the play, but the point is there was a play at second and Jimenez points to second base, like throw it to second, throw it to second. We're like, Ahmed Rosario would never do that. Hmm. Like yeah. Jimenez's field awareness is elite and he's very, very young. Um, so he's a guy who's, whose stock is really dramatically improved. And you have fans who who get excited about things sometimes short-term or like saying, well, he should be the shortstop. Uh, meanwhile, they've been working on developing Rosario for years. So, um, But it's a credit to the young player in Jimenez that that's even a conversation. Sure. Yeah, I mean, a, a, an elite defensive shortstop can change the entire outlook of the infield. Yeah. Like yeah, you're talking exactly. about the, the infield problems like with Rosario – you, you put that at shortstop, you sort of the, the infield just changes as a whole when you have one of those guys. Exactly. Um, all right, I've kept you longer than I told you I would. So last question is, when are we getting that Mets sale? When is A-Rod going to be the face of the Mets? Because I can't wait. <laughs> uh, the sale will happen this year, this calendar year, and it's moving right along. The final bids are due within a month. Uh, the team will be under new ownership next season. Uh, I, I don't – I'm not covering this – I'm not speaking to you as an insider on this. I'm not covering it super closely, uh, but uh, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't rule out the A-Rod or the Steve Cohen groups uh, right now. Uh, the industry seems to believe that Steve Cohen is in a very strong position, but A-Rod is also in this thing. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. It's that's a whole. That would be if he had the team. It would be yet another chapter in the it's unreal three, thirty thirty year almost a Rod Jeter frenemy saga. I know. I, I mean, those two are so fascinating. I I uh, asked somebody before a Rod was a candidate for the Mets a couple of years ago. I asked somebody like, is Jeter? It's always been an open secret in baseball that Alex wanted to be an owner. Um, before everyone knew about it, it was like talk, you know, talked about behind the scenes. And I said, but isn't the trouble that Jeter's having in Miami going to discourage him from that? Like, isn't he maybe seeing that that's not a, a great career move? Jeter's having the worst uh, coverage of his life. And uh, the person who knows both those guys well said to me, no, if I know Alex, it's, oh, Jeter's doing a bad job. I'll prove to the world that I'm better than him as an owner. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it, it, it keeps, those two just keep, trading passive aggressive moves and will until they die in yeah. decades and decades more. And I didn't, I thought Jeter was going to fade into the abyss after he retired. I did not think he was going to want to be an owner just because of his personality throughout the years. Yeah. And A-Rod wants to be the center of attention. He's not always good at it, but he wants yeah. to be the center of attention. So I could see why that fits for, for A-Rod. But I, I mean, Jeter is equipped to handle the negative um, coverage of him. A-Rod's not. <laughs> Well, that's and, interesting. I'm trying to figure out if I agree with that statement. I, I'm not saying I do or don't, but but Jeter's had overwhelmingly positive coverage his entire life, whereas A Rod is perfectly accustomed to to also fair. I mean, when I when I worked at the Daily News, Bill Madden called him compared A Rod to Whitey Bulger in the in a column, which got a lot of got a lot of play at the time. Literally, you're comparing him to like a a mass murderer, and somehow managed to to uh, turn this 
Alex Rodriguez, when he was a pariah, into was somewhat of a sympathetic figure by covering him that harshly. Yeah. I think there's been some with Jeter. I think there's been a fair amount over the past couple of years of you question me, Derek Jeter. Uh, people only say nice things about me. Maybe. So. But who's more likely to barge into a radio studio because the, the host criticized them as an owner, A-Rod or Jeter? Uh, boy, that's interesting because he barged into that radio studio. Exactly. Of- so, and I can see him doing something stupid like that as an owner. And when you're representing an entire team, I just feel like it's a ticking time bomb before he does something stupid. Oh, that I agree with. That I agree with. I'm thinking about that radio thing because that was – part of this gross alliance that he had with Francesa that, that yeah. whole we could do a series on that whole time obviously but yes he's more I completely agree with you that he A-Rod is more likely to put his foot in his mouth do something irrational uh, he's at a relatively positive um, public uh, like persona post-retirement which has been an upset for a lot of people and the longer he remains in the public eye knowing him the longer there's a chance that he'll screw that up yeah Definitely. Well, Andy, I appreciate the time. Great stuff. Looking forward to the weekend series. Go follow Andy on Twitter at MartinoNYC. And uh, you got a podcast, like you said, covering. Does it just cover the Mets or is it covering? We New do York just cover the Mets on that particular podcast. It's called Shay Anything. And then we have Baseball Night in New York, weeknights at 6 on SNY, which covers the Yankees and the Mets and National Baseball. So those are the plugs. Beautiful. Andy, thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate it. It's fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.